everyone. My name is Jamai McKinney, or you can just call me Juice because that is my nickname. On today's show, I am joined by a very, very special guest. His name is Tom Grassi. Yes, if you are a Green Bay Packers fan, you probably know who Tom Grassi is. By the way, if you did not know, the reason why I'm rocking this Aaron Rodgers jersey is because I am a a diehard Green Bay Packers fan. I don't normally wear Green Bay Packers gear or, or I should say clothing on this on the show when I'm recording simply because I want to be unbiased. I want people to not think that my opinions revolve around me being a Green Bay Packers fan. I try to be as unbiased on this channel as possible. Me being a Packers fan does kind of have a little bit of influence on some some of my opinions, but either way, I can say for the most part that I'm pretty unbiased, but either way, that's for you guys to judge. But either way, today I am joined by Green Bay Packers fan Tom Grassi. You can find him on YouTube. Just type in T-O-M-G-R-O-S-S-I to YouTube. And you will find his YouTube channel. He also has a has a podcast, which is called The Patcast. Just type in P-A-C-K-C-A-S-T or Tom Grassi to wherever you get your podcast and you will find him. He puts out a lot of great content pretty much four and five days a week to his YouTube channel and his podcasting platforms. I have a lot of respect for Tom Grassi as a content creator and just as a Packers fan in general because he knows his stuff. Today, we dive into everything Green Bay Packers football related as Packers fans. So kick back if you're a Packers fan. Share this content with all your friends. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers and his legacy. Can he win another Super Bowl before his career is over? Will he finish his career in Green Bay? We'll talk about the controversial Jordan Love pick. We'll recap the Packers draft. We'll talk about free agency. All that good stuff. So if you're down with that, be sure to kick your feet back and enjoy this great show with me and Tom Grassi. Hope you guys enjoy. Hello? Hello, Tom Grassi is officially in the building. How you doing, man? Uh, we are doing phenomenally. Thank you so much for having me. It is much appreciated. Yeah, no doubt. I appreciate you for coming on, man. I can't thank you enough. I know you're super busy. You do a great job on your YouTube channel um, and on your um, podcast, the podcast. But really quickly, Tom, before we get started, I need you to give the people the grassy posse intro because why not, man? Listen, it's what they come to see. It's the, it's the money right there. So. Yes, sir. Oh, boy, that gets me fired up, man. I love that. I love that. So, let's just dive right into life. some of these things we have a lot to talk about. So, I want to kind of just discuss how the season went this past year. I'm going to go first, and you you can kind of give your thoughts on how you thought the team was, you know, going to do and how they, you know, probably exceed your expectations. You know, I think that you were probably surprised relatively about how well the team did. I know you probably had the, I know you had them going to the playoffs as well as I did. You know, us being Packers fans, we both felt the team would improve, definitely, but Maybe not 13-3 improve, I would say. Now, as far as the season goes this past year, I really love the additions that we made in free agency. We finally actually spent some more money in free agency besides just going out and trying to get Jabril Peppers, you know, who was past his prime a couple years ago. We signed Adrian Amos. We signed Preston Smith and Zadari Smith. Amos was a great addition. Smith, the both the Smith brothers were able to help our defensive line, as far as getting after getting after the quarterback, they were definite upgrades over Nick Perry and Clay Matthews. We go out and draft Rashawn Gary. Personally, I wanted Dexter Lawrence or Christian Wilkins simply because I felt that we need to get a defensive tackle to go right beside Kenny Clark. 
And I just felt that based on who was on the board, that's the route we should have went. Gary did not have the best rookie season, but he's, he's learning. He's a project. You know, he's raw. He's got talent. We'll see how that goes. But Darnell Savage was a great pick as well. He definitely improved our secondary. Um, Eldon Jenkins was a great pick. I, I personally really wanted A.J. Brown. I really want Terry McLaurin. It would have helped to have those guys, but in the end, looking back at things, we took the boring pick, and I think that that was the right pick. You know, Eldon Jenkins is a great young player that I think is going to really be a great Green Bay Packer for a long time. Hopefully, we can keep him on the roster. And Jay Sternberger, unfortunately, got hurt, but I, f I think that he's going to be a solid tight end for the future. Um, and I, I had us going 10-6. Last offseason, I felt that we were going to be improved. We were going to make the playoffs. I had us winning the NFC North. I didn't quite believe in the Vikings. They proved me wrong. But, again, we were better than the Vikings last year. I felt we were definitely going to be better than the Bears. I just didn't believe in Trubisky. I felt their schedule the previous year was just not great. I mean, it was, it was kind of easy, I would say. And the Lions, well, what can go wrong will go wrong. So I, I realized we had a new coach, realized that the defense was, was going to be improved, but how well would they gel the first year? Um, and also the wide receivers outside of Devontae Adams, they at times struggle. So I feel I felt we overachieved. Obviously, go 13 and 3. I thought we were gonna go 10 and 6 or 11 and 5. I personally had us had us as a Super Bowl Super Bowl sleeper. Um, so I felt that we could potentially win a Super Bowl and we got all the way to the MC title game and the 49ers happened. Um personally, it was disappointing. I felt we were gonna win that game, but in the end, we, we kind of overachieved. You know, we, we won 13 games. I didn't expect it to happen. What were your thoughts on the season this past year and just how it ended, how it started, all that stuff? Yeah, I think um, I absolutely adored the Elton Jenkins pick when we made it because he, the offensive line is one of those positions that is completely undervalued in the NFL, especially by fans in which how you look at it, and we are about to approach a serious problem when it comes to our offensive line next season when David Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley, their contracts are up, uh, and, you know, Ricky Wagner is not getting any younger as well. The guy that we just picked up at right tackle, we don't know what's going on with Billy Turner, who didn't have, you're mentioning free agent signings, we got Billy Turner from Denver, and he didn't really produce a whole lot as well. I don't really know if he is going to be the answer at guard. We may move around a little bit, but uh, he has a lot to prove this year. But I think uh, overall, you know, the Rashawn Gary pick, a lot of people are crapping all over it. And when we first did it, I was not super thrilled. I did want other guys, especially if we were going to go edge rusher um, or you know, outside linebacker, I would have wanted somebody else. Like, I, I like to sweat a lot. But uh, with the fact that we went with him, when he was on the field, I mean, there's two things. One, he didn't need to see the field a whole lot because he had the Smith brothers ahead of him. And the Smith mm -hmm. brothers were phenomenal last year. And they absolutely gave a huge shot in the arm uh, with our pass rush. They were constantly pressuring the quarterback. And the Darius and Preston Smith just blew away any expectations that I had. And I was very happy because we, we signed them for a lot of money. You know, we paid a lot of money for those guys. And it really proved out to be a great investment for that first season. So that was good. But Rashawn Gary, he didn't have to play much because he was sitting behind those guys. He's definitely going to get an increased role this coming season. And when he was on the field, though, I mean, he had some great pressures. While you might not see a ton on the stat line, the guy was pretty much in the backfield for the majority of the snaps that he got. And so I think Rashawn Gary can be a very good football player for this team. Uh, and I think he has a lot to prove for this year. Obviously, he's posting all his workout videos on, like, Instagram and things like that. The guy is obviously working incredibly hard. And I think for, 
you know, Goody, like, it was a risky pick. You know, obviously, he underachieved in college. Yes, he got double-teamed a lot, um, but he didn't really have the production there, the production that he should have had. And I think it's just going to be a matter of how we're going to utilize him. Are we going to put him on the outside still? Are we going to move him to the inside? You know, it's completely wide open. But to your question of, like, how we did during the season, I mean, I think it was absolutely an over- Achievement. I mean, I, I had a concern because it's a brand new head coach, it's a brand new system, brand new offensive coordinator with Nathaniel Hackett. Obviously, we were bringing back Mike Pettin, um, which I think was the right move. But I think that okay. you know, there's a lot of what ifs going on for this season. A lot of what ifs. Because obviously, all the the news coverage about, oh, Matt LaFleur and you know Aaron Rodgers aren't getting along and how he didn't get along with McCarthy and all that nonsense. And I think... Um, you know, we the fact that we made to the NFC Championship game, I think, was an achievement in itself. But on top of that, we also swept the division, which I think is also a pretty awesome achievement. So I'm I'm super stoked and happy with the season that we had. I'm a little concerned that that's going to elevate expectations for this season. But I mean, I walked into last season not knowing where we were going to be, and was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I did not expect us to go to the NFC title game last year. Really, it was just. To be honest, Tom, I got to say, outside of San Francisco, you look at Seattle, you look at New Orleans, the way they lost to the Vikings, we swept the Vikings. I mean, if you could say, you could say that we potentially maybe get home field versus San Francisco or maybe um, avoid them at some point, we probably can go to the Super Bowl. I know that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, but there are plays to be made by Jimmy Garoppolo in that Super Bowl. He just didn't make them. I would assume that Aaron Rodgers definitely can make those plays. I know we faced the Chiefs and it was kind of a tough game on the road, you know, even without without Patrick Mahomes, he wasn't there. Um, Patrick Mahomes was hurt. They had Matt Moore starting. Kind of, you know, was underwhelming at times. But, I mean, I think that we would have a shot to win the Super Bowl. But, I mean, it would probably they, you would probably favor the Chiefs in that matchup. So, yeah, I tend to agree. I really think that it's an achievement. Anytime you have a first-year head coach and you go 13-3 and go all the way to the NFC title game, and let's be real, you know, I picked us to win the game. I assume you probably picked us to win the game as well just because we're Packers fans. We have our expectations for our team. And realistically, I think that if we would have made a defensive game, we could have potentially won that game. You know, it just got out of hand way too early. The Niners are just a bad matchup for us. They can punch us in the mouth. Our run defense was the really one weakness we had last year. We were pretty good across the board. Obviously, great at quarterback. Pretty good running back with Aaron Jones. Devontae Adams is awesome. The defense improved so much, but that was just the one area that we need to really fix, and it just didn't get fixed all year. Hats off to the 49ers. They're a great team. But, yeah, I definitely would say that it was a great season. Um, it was a breath of fresh air. The season before it was just bad. I mean, missing the playoffs, the whole Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers thing. Matt LaFleur impressed me. You know, I think that Matt LaFleur still has to make adjustments as a second-year head coach, which you should. You know, you should try to improve from a, from a, being a rookie head coach. I think that he needs to improve as far as his, his halftime adjustments because at times in the second half we kind of stalled. And you would think that he would come out with a better game plan versus the 49ers, seeing seeing that defensive line the second time. But at the same time, if you just can't block a defensive line, what can you do? And I just want to get your thoughts on Rashawn Gary a little bit more. Do you think that we should move him more to the inside or the outside? I personally think that he can play a lot in the inside. I was hoping that's where we use him because, like I mentioned, outside of Kenny Clark, we don't really have anyone that scares 
the opposing teams on the inside. So if you want to touch on some of those points that I made about LaFleur's adjustments, us making it to the NFC title game, how we, how we match with the NFC, and just um, overall the Rashawn Gary and overall Sean Gary, how we're going to use them. Um, you can talk about that a little bit if you want. Yeah, well, I think, you know, Rodgers has never had a home NFC championship game. But, you know, I think that that does play a major role in what you were saying before. But at the same time, you know, that's actually why I wanted the Saints to beat the Vikings, because I was more confident that the Seahawks could beat the 49ers in the divisional round since they already did it once and they almost did it twice, you know, and it's obviously difficult to beat a divisional rival. And I thought we could beat the Saints. And then that means that if the Seahawks had won and if we had beat the, the Saints, then we would have gotten the NFC Championship game against Seattle in Lambeau, which I think could have made us go to the Super Bowl. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, whether it's home field advantage, you know, we got outplayed two different ways by the 49ers. First, when earlier in the season, we just got out, out completely outscored and they, they did that through the air and we had no answer for them. And then we just got run all over in the NFC Championship game. And I think that that speaks to the strength of the 49ers and also that they can kind of play whatever game they want to and they can still beat you. I think the way that you beat them is by forcing, you know, Garoppolo to throw the ball. But he's also shown that he can beat you that way. You know, he beat the Saints that way. He beat the Rams that way. I think he can. It's just a matter of, you know, if you're going to have a shot, that is definitely going to be the way to do it. Uh, and we just didn't do it in either of those games. And when it comes to Rashawn Gary, I think what's important to note is that, you know, you can move him to the inside, but you also don't want to neuter him and his strength because you drafted him, you know, for a specific purpose. And if you are going to use him as an outside linebacker, you know, yes, he is going to not get as many reps because he's behind the Smith, but that will also make the Smith more capable of making big plays because they'll actually be able to be rotated in and out. So I think, you know, if you can bring in a Rashawn Gary on third down or if you bring him on first and second down and just bring the Smith in on later down, that's going to make that pass rush even more deadly. If you move him to the inside, I don't doubt that he would do well, but I also want to play to his strength. It's like moving Clay Matthews to the inside. He was fine and he helped the run defense, but his strength is as a pass rusher, and I think that's, that's evident. And so, you know, you have to you, you draft guys for certain roles um, and you have to be careful with, how you approach that, and if you mold them into something that doesn't cater to their strengths, you know, you can run into some problems. And I think with Matt LaFleur, yeah, he's obviously going to make some adjustments. A lot of what you saw last year, you know, revolved around the Mike McCarthy offense. Still, Rodgers has spoken to this a number of times and how he has struggled with, you know, all the new play calls and what they're called, and they're, like, really lengthy and all the calls at the line and, you know, adjustments, et cetera. I think what you'll see in the second season under LaFleur is a more LaFleur-centered offense. I think the run game is obviously, and you can just tell that from the draft, is going to be a major focal point this year, as it should be. Uh, and, and hopefully you just get a little bit more of a cohesive offense. Because there were some games last year, the 49ers game, and even the Chargers game, where they just could not get anything going. And I think a lot of that, you know, to a first-year head coach, a brand-new offensive team, etc. So I'm looking to see that definitely improve for this year. Yeah, I mean, it just came down to the fact that we just didn't match up well with the 49ers. It's the one team we couldn't beat. I definitely think we could have gave the Chiefs a run for the, their money. We could have beaten anyone in the NFC, especially if we were at home, definitely. I definitely think we could have beaten the Saints. They kind of exposed themselves versus the Vikings. We already beat the Seahawks, and 
Um, the Eagles, uh, they just, eh, you know, they, they kind of had it down here last year. But, yeah, I, I tend to agree about the Rashawn Gary um, pick and playing to his strengths. And also, you know, Matt LaFleur, like I said, you know, he's going to, you know, hopefully make improvements as a second-year second head coach. I definitely think that the team enjoyed playing for Matt LaFleur for most of the year. Aaron Rodgers spoke very highly of him throughout the entire season. Obviously, when you're winning games, it's going to be easy to say, yeah, this works. But it, you can really truly see from the press conference, just from the by language on the sideline of players, the team just had more juice behind Matt LaFleur. It kind of seemed like Mike McCarthy, was his days were numbered. He's a solid head coach. He can definitely do some good things in Dallas, you know, with Dak Prescott and that, that high-powered offense. But, yeah, it was time for a change, and we'll see what the Matt LaFleur era holds in the future. I think it's off to a pretty good start. Now, let's get to – say that again. Hello? I, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, everyone wants to hear about your take on Jordan Love. Now, I've already talked about Jordan Love a little bit. I'm just going to kind of recap what I've said about him if the people have not heard it already. I like Jordan Love a lot. As the player, Jordan Love, I think that he's super ultra-talented. I think that I thought that Joe Burrow was the clear-cut best quarterback in this year's draft. I felt that Tua Tagovailoa was the second-best quarterback in this year's draft. And right behind him was Jordan Love. But I actually said that I would probably rather draft Jordan Love over Tua simply because I think that his ceiling is much higher than Tua Tagovailoa. And his ceiling, in my opinion is slightly on par with Joe Burrow. You know, he has the arm talent. He has the accuracy. I mean, when Jordan Love is going right, he can become a legit quarterback, in my opinion. The only real questions I had was his turnovers. Can he get off his first and second reads? And I'm all about, you know, okay, this player may not be NFL ready quite yet, but if I can develop a guy and play to his strengths and just coach him up a little bit, give me the guy with the potential. And Jordan Love has had arguably the best arm in the draft outside of Jacob Eason. So I do think that Jordan Love, sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, it's a perfect situation for him. He's going to be able to learn. Aaron Rodgers is a master of not making mistakes. He doesn't turn the football over. He's very efficient. So I do think that if Jordan Love takes Aaron Rodgers' coaching, if Aaron Rodgers decides to mentor him and just learns the playbook, I believe we have something pretty special in Green Bay. I don't think that he's going to be quite what Aaron Rodgers was. I mean, that's pretty much impossible. You'd hope that Jordan Love is just even a top 10 quarterback. That'd be pretty good, I would say. But, yeah, I like the player. My problem with the pick is I don't like the direction the team is going in drafting Jordan Love. My mentality is this. I would rather win a Super Bowl or two and miss the playoffs for about one or two seasons, then maybe get back on track. That's just my mentality. I love to hear what your thoughts are are on this. But yeah, I'm the guy that wants the rings. I understand that the Packers want to be competitive every single year. I appreciate that. As a Packers fan, the last decade and a half, the team has been very competitive. I'm so happy that we have not been the Cleveland Browns. So there's something to be appreciated with that. But also, we have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. And after the season that we had, we were one game away from the Super Bowl, man. And I just feel that at this moment, it should have been all about maximizing the current roster to try to beat San Francisco. Because outside of San Francisco last year, I think that in the NFC, we could have beaten any of those teams. I really do. And so it'd be one thing if Aaron Rodgers was, I don't know, 38, 39, 40 years old, and you want to draft a quarterback, that's fine. But we look at teams like the Saints. The Saints... If, they, if there was a team to potentially draft Jordan Love that had a veteran quarterback, it was actually the Saints. But nope, they got Drew Brees an offensive lineman. They are going all in to win this year. The 49ers, they got Jimmy Garoppolo, another wide receiver. 
Um, you can look up and down. The, the Buccaneers, they got Tom Brady, an offensive lineman. So my whole thing is when you don't draft a wide receiver in, in the draft, and wide receiver was a need for our team to help Aaron Rodgers in a very wide receiver rich draft, that's kind of disappointing. And I just think that Green Bay, I think that they're all in as far as trying to win a Super Bowl this year. But at the same time, I just think that the direction of the team is kind of going more towards the future, more so than, than trying to help Aaron Rodgers out right now. Because while I look at our team, yeah, we're good, but you can't just always return the same team in the NFL and expect to do better than you were the previous year if you didn't win the Super Bowl or be on the same or be at the same pace. It just doesn't work like that in the NFL. So I want to get your thoughts on the direction of the team as far as drafting Jordan Love. What do you think of Jordan Love as a player? And what are your thoughts on the Packers going Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, basically? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot there. So, I, again, I don't – the Jordan Love pick, you know, he has he has a pretty low floor, but he also has a very, very high ceiling. His 2018 season was really good. His 2019 season, you know, a lot of forced balls. Didn't have a lot of wide receivers, but also made a lot of poor decisions. And I think, you know, when it, you're sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, you know, one of the most accurate quarterbacks of all time, I think obviously that is definitely going to help. And I said if we were going to draft Jordan Love, he needs to sit for a couple of years. He needs to sit for like at least two years. And that, again, that's an arbitrary number, um, but he needs to sit for a good long while. Um, on top of that, I know when when Goody came out after the draft and he was asked that very question about drafting a wide receiver, he said, you know, that it's not that he wasn't targeting a wide receiver, but by the time that they had their pick, their wide receivers were gone. And by that time, you know, later into the draft, they did not think that they could get someone this season that could help the team out this year. Now, at the same time, obviously, Jordan Love is not going to help this team this year unless, you know, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt or something, then we have a backup. A.J. Dillon, you know, I think is going to get the reps over Williams if Williams is even going to still be on the team this year. So he'll, he'll be able to help on a rotational basis. Uh, DeGuerra is going to, I think, be used in a lot of looks, but, you know, I, I talked about this uh, last week with Dusty Edley, uh, Edley and talked about how, you know, tight ends really don't have a huge impact usually their first year. So you're not going to see a ton there. Uh, I think Kamal Martin was a good pickup because I think that he will be able to work with Kirksey side-by-side because no one knows what's going on with Oren Burke. And then we decided to go three offensive linemen in the sixth round, which hopefully one of them pans out. So I think that, yeah, this is definitely more of a draft for the future. It's not necessarily that I don't think these guys can not help the team win this year. Um, but I think also going out and getting Christian Kirksey is going to be helpful. We definitely downgraded when it came to getting rid of Laga and replacing him with Wagner. Um, but other than that, I don't think the team really regressed a whole lot. And I think it's really our success this season is going to be dictated on can our guys step up? Can MVS, can EQ, uh, can they make plays? Can Alan Lazard take another step? And if the answer is yes, then we're going to be good. But, I mean, again, there are still a lot of question marks when it comes to our run defense. Is Montrevious Adams, a third rounder in 2017, going to get cut? You know, because he has no production. Is any of the guys that we just picked up, like Trayvon Hester or Willis from Miami, going to make an impact? I mean, those are kind of like outlier players who I'm not expecting a lot from. But I think at the end of the day, you know, Goody also expressed some confidence in this team this year. You know, because if you're saying that, yeah, you know, they went to the NFC championship game, you know, that that means that that team had to have been pretty good in order to do that. Um, and, you know, and I think when it comes to 
uh, like, you know, the, you were mentioning before about if you don't change, it doesn't necessarily, like, you know, you're not going to win a Super Bowl that year. I mean, yes and no. I mean, you look at the Chiefs and their offseason for 2019, they didn't make, like, a ton of flashes. They were a, pretty much a, a similar team. They lost the board. So I would say that their pass rush actually got worse. But it was another year with Patrick Mahomes under center. And I think that that's what Rodgers needs. He doesn't have a lot of experience with the wide receivers that are on the field because we're essentially rolling with, you know, draft picks who haven't really produced and undrafted free agents and, and a new offensive scheme. So I think that you're going to see improvement from the Packers offense just because there's been more time spent together. Um, you know, again, with the Jordan Love thing, I didn't like where it was picked, but I understand it because if he turns out to be the next Aaron Rodgers, not a single person is going to be complaining about this draft in a few years. Yeah, I will push back a little bit on what you said about the Chiefs because I look at the Chiefs, they fixed their defense in the offseason. You know, they went out and got the Honey Badger. They, you know, drafted Juan Thornhill, a very talented safety, you know, and things of that nature. They traded for Frank Clark as well. You know, they lost um, one of those players, uh, Houston or D4. I forget which one it was, but they at least kind of got a little bit younger on that defensive line. So while the Chiefs kind of stayed the same on offense, I would say, I would say their defense definitely improved. They also got rid of, um, their defensive coordinator and brought in Steve Spagnola. So the Chiefs did revamp the roster a little bit, but I do understand what you're saying right there. And again, like you said, Brian Gutekunst has definitely shown that he believes in this team. And I do believe in this team as well, but I also believe in keeping pace each year. And I just think that, it, you, you know, you could say, we're bringing back the same team this year. Well, guess what? This same team got boat raced by the 49ers twice. And I'm kind of upset that we didn't get a Patrick Queen. I'm kind of upset that we didn't draft a defensive lineman in the first round. Um, that's just how I feel. And I just think that when you're in a window to West Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, it's win now mode. I literally made a video, okay, about two and a half weeks before the draft because there was the rumors that Jordan Love would be there. Personally, I didn't think that it would happen at all. I was very shocked when it happened. I wasn't super mad simply because I like Jordan Love as the player. And I do think that Jordan Love is going to be great. But at the same time, we've got some of the best quarterback play in NFL history from Aaron Rodgers. And we've only got one Super Bowl to show for it. Now, you could talk about the defense. You could talk about the lack of a running game. You could talk about the coaching issues. I get all that. But at the same time, as far as the quarterback that we've had, I mean, it doesn't get any better than Aaron Rodgers, honestly, man. And... It's just one of those things where I feel like that Jordan Love has to be really good. You know, I I hate to put these kind of expectations on him because Jordan Love did not draft himself. But when you trade up to get a guy like Jordan Love, when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who's still playing very good football, he may not be the best quarterback in football anymore, but I think that he's still top five. I think that he's still elite. When you trade up to get Jordan Love, and people say that it's the same thing as when we get when I got Brett Favre. Brett Favre contemplated retiring before the season. So the team was saying, okay, maybe Brett Favre's not all in with football. Aaron Rodgers has said, I want to be a Packer for life. I want to play into my 40s. And also, Brett Favre did not get to an NFC title game. So that's my whole thing. I don't. I think that it's comparable to the Brett Favre situation in that, okay, you're preparing for the future and you want to groom the next guy. I get that. But at that current state, the Packers were not in position to be as Super Bowl ready as this team is right now. This team just needs a couple more pieces. I think that you could put this team over the top. So again, maybe it maybe the guys step up. I'm really hoping that Marquez Valdez Scanley steps up this year. I'm really hoping that the run defense improves. As you mentioned, we went out and got um Kirksey in free agency. Kamal Martin, hopefully he provides a spark, but at the same time, 
I, I just have issue that, let me say this right now. If Jordan Love is just good, I'm going to be disappointed because you can get a good first-round quarterback drafting, you know, when Aaron Rodgers is like, I don't know, 38, 39. You can find a good first-round quarterback. You know, a long time ago, quarterbacks in the first round were just kind of, you know, 50-50. Nowadays, all these first-round quarterbacks are playing and contributing at a high level. Even Dwayne Haskins, even Josh Rosen, even Mitch Trubisky, I still think they have potential. Dwayne Haskins got better as the season went on. Josh Rosen. You know, he was put in a bad situation in Arizona. You know, I think that if you put him on a stacked team, he's at least a starter, and Mr. Trubisky has won a division in the past. So, again, if Jordan Love wins as a Super Bowl and becomes the next great quarterback, then, then I'm not going to complain one bit. But we're really banking on Jordan Love, and I like Jordan Love a lot, but I have my questions, man. Well, I mean, so, like, but, so to your point, how would you improve this team then? Is it just through the draft? I mean, yeah, I mean, we we could have got Patrick Queen, man. Patrick Queen, I, th- I felt, was the perfect pick. Patrick Queen was the perfect pick. Okay, so, but, so, like, in that case, okay, so we go and get Patrick Queen. Then, like, are there no issues then on the team? The reason I bring that up is because, like, right now we have zero cap space. Like, we have no cap space. We have enough to, like, you know, sign Kenny Clark. But if we go and sign anybody else, we're going to have to make some cuts or we're going to have to trade people away. So, like, I understand the idea of, like, we're in the win-now mentality, but, like, that's also how you turn into the Denver Broncos. And you might, and listen, you might win a Super Bowl. And if you get out of that, great, wonderful. I mean, you mentioned before, you know, okay, you go all in, and then one to two years, you suck. But, like, usually that's not the case. You're usually bad for a lot longer if you start mortgaging your future. And you might be seeing that with the St. Louis Rams, who went very, very cap-heavy, and... I mean, look what they have to show for it. I mean, they, they got to the Super Bowl, yeah. But then, like, last year, they didn't even make the playoffs. So I think it's, you know, it, it's one of those things that I understand the want and need to be like, hey, let's go sign this guy or this guy or this guy, or even drafting. You know, but we also have to take a look at it from this way, too. We could Anybody in the first round could be a complete and total bust. I mean, you brought Josh Rosen before. I mean, like, he's, he's not good. <laughs> like, he is. No, I agree. He has a, He's not panned out. He's not panned out at all. I agree. But what I'm saying is, like, there is zero guarantee. I mean, like, you could look at first-round quarterbacks, like Paxton Lynch, Johnny Manziel, Gabbard, Ponder. Uh, I mean, hell, even Tim Tebow was a first-round QB. <laughs> you know, you look at these guys, and, like, they, there's, there's no, there is no 100% accuracy on anybody. Joe Burrow could be one of the biggest busts of all time. I mean, you could go and get a guy in the first, the first pick, and he could not work out. I mean, look at, you know, Jamarcus Russell. You know, like, you look at these guys, and they, they don't necessarily pan out. I, I understand wanting to get somebody, but, I mean, like, we should know about any team about first-round fun. I mean, you, you look at guys that we've picked up in the past, I mean, like, go back to, like, just the 2015 draft, right? And there's not a single guy left on this team from 2015, the entire draft. And you look at it, I mean, like, our first-round pick, Ha Clinton Dick, Demarius Randall, uh, Dayton Jones, Nick Perry. You know, these guys aren't on the team anymore because they were bad. And you can even go to second-round pick. Josh Jackson hasn't panned out. Third-round, Montrevious Adams, Oren Burke. You know, a lot of these guys can be complete misses, and you can totally blame that on, you know, the, the front office, and that's totally fine. I think that's just a different conversation. But I think just because, you know, we draft somebody doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. I think if the Packers are looking at Jordan Love and say, 
not only are we going to go get him in the first round when we could get other guys, like because we could have gotten him over Patrick Queen because he fell down to the end of the first round. But to trade up to get him, they obviously saw something very special in him. And honestly, it, that's going to make or break Brian Gutekunst in a few years because, like you said, if he's just an average QB, yeah, the pitchforks are definitely going to start coming out because there have been some, I'll say, risky drafts under Gutekunst in which they haven't really done incredibly well. You look at the wide receivers from 2018, Jamon Moore no longer on the team, MVS his future, who knows what's going on with that. EQ, obviously coming back from injury, I hope he does well. That hasn't really panned out. Rashawn Gary was a super risky pick. Josh Jackson, who knows what's going on with that. If Jordan Love turns out to not be good, yeah, that's going to be really, really problematic for um, the Packers and for Brian Gutekunst. But at the same time, every single franchise is looking for the next Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, with whatever great quarterback you want. And very few actually get them. And if we wind up getting one, and that's a big what if, then this is basically a home run draft, even if everybody else busts out. Yeah, Brian Kudikas definitely took a risk. And again, I admire the risk-taking, but at the same time, I just pushed back on it a little bit. This better work, Tom, man. As Packers no, fans... You're right. <laughs> if it doesn't work, like, if, if, this, if this whole draft like turns out to be bad, yeah, like, that's going to be a serious problem. I mean, look at Ryan Pace with Mitch Trubisky. They traded up to go get him, and look how that worked out. Now they're bringing in Nick Foles and have to pay him a whole bunch of guaranteed money. You yep. know, things aren't really going great in Ryan Pace's world right now. And the no. same thing will happen to Brian Gutekunst if, you know, Jordan Love and some of the other guys don't step up. Yeah, and I've always said that you can whiff on a defensive lineman. You can whiff on a linebacker. You can't whiff on the quarterback. No, 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 no. Look at Jacksonville. They had a very good roster a couple years ago. Blake Boros couldn't get, get couldn't get them over the hump. So, I mean, yeah, you look at the Bears. You know, they have, they've drafted really well. They have a lot of good players. Mr. Risky can't get it done. So, again, we still have Aaron Rodgers under contract. And my thing is, if we were going to make this move, why make Aaron? I don't know. I don't know. Because my whole thing is we committed a lot of money to Aaron Rodgers. We made him the highest paid player in football. And my whole thing is, like I said, if he would have been around – 38 years old, 39 years old, I get it. But I just feel like these next two years should really be invested in doing every single thing we can to try and maximize the Super Bowl window. And I just don't, I don't, Jordan Love doesn't help us right now. Now, I will say we have a solid backup quarterback. If Jordan, I don't know if Jordan Love's going to be ready to play, you know, right away. Like like you said, he definitely needs to sit for a year. I said the same thing in my video when I, you know, talked about Jordan Love. I do think that he's going to be a great quarterback, but he needs to sit for about a year. But, yeah, like you said, uh, this is going to... Like, you also look at it this way, too. Like, we also can look at previous drafts, too. Like, Kingsley Kiki from last year, a lot of people are expecting him to go off this year. And he kind of needs to because you're talking about the lack of a run game or the lack of a guy to line up next to Kenny Clark, and you're 100% accurate. But, like, we could have guys like Kiki who step up, and then all of a sudden our run defense is significantly better. Again, is that going to happen? Nobody knows. But at the same time, we also can look back at our past few draft uh, classes and be like, okay, we need some of these guys to step up. And if they don't, we're going to have some, some serious problems, and that's when you start looking at the front office and going, okay, this is the problem. I mean, look at inside linebacker. We spent a third-round pick two years ago on inside linebacker with Oren Burke. Yeah. And it just has not panned out. So that's what I'm saying is, like, I understand the, the – the, like, I wanted a wide receiver. Hands down, I wanted a wide receiver. 
but we didn't get one. Now, we do have a bunch of wide receivers on the roster. I'm not, like, over the moon about Devin Funches or anything. But I'm saying, like, there could be guys that we have drafted and spent some high draft capital on that need to do their job. And if they don't, that's when you look at Gutekunst and go, you did not draft well. But, you know, this is when I, I just looked at the 2017 draft because you got to wait at least three years before you start judging a draft. Yeah, you know, this that's is fair. Coming up, this is, this is Goody's first draft. He hit in 2018, he hit with Jair Alexander. Josh Jackson hasn't done anything. Oren Burke hasn't done anything. Jamon Moore is no longer on the team. You know, it, there's going to start to be some questions asked if this doesn't pan out. And like I said, the, the picks have not gotten any less risky. He did very well last year, I think, with Darnell Savage and Jenkins. And I think Sternberger is going to be very good. But again, there, there are a lot of what ifs floating around in Green Bay right now. I agree. I, and again, I am rooting for Jordan Love. And I think that Jordan Love's going to do pretty good. My only question is, will he win a Super Bowl? Only time will tell. Now, we kind of talked a little bit about some of the other draft picks. You, you mentioned A.J. Dillon a little bit. You talked about Jose, is it Jose DeGuara? Jose DeGuara? Jo- Josiah DeGuara. Josiah DeGuara. I'm sorry about that. Josiah DeGuara, Kamal Martin. We drafted three offensive linemen. Vernon Scott. So, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on some of these picks. I'm looking at our team, and it's it's definitely moving to a, towards a Matt Floor-friendly offense. You know, Matt LaFleur, even when he was back in Tennessee and back with the Rams, it was a lot of two tight end sets, a lot of running backs, a lot of play action. And I got to be honest with you, I think that Matt LaFleur looked at the 49ers tape and said, hey, you know, we can have all the wide receivers in the world, but if we can't block the 49ers, then what, what good is my play calling? Now, are these three offensive linemen we draft going to be the game changers we need, I don't know. I don't expect them to be. I think that we drafted some of these offensive linemen more so for depth because in the past, you know, when Brian Bulaga goes down, when TJ Lang was on the team, he was constantly hurt. We didn't always have the great replacements. We we kind of thought Jason Spriggs was going to be that guy. He did not pan out. He's not even on the team anymore. So I understand going offensive line for depth. I'm never going to knock too many offensive line picks. Kamal Martin seems like a sleeper pick. Um, we got him in the fifth round. Now, he is pretty raw. You talked about in your videos how he's more of a north and south type of linebacker where he's going to, you know, if he's running vertically at you, he's, he's going to be pretty good. I think that I think that's the case. But if he's, you know, moved around, you know, east to west, if he has to cover more shifty tight ends and, run, and running backs and wide receivers, then you might get into some trouble. I think that he's going to be more of a first and second down linebacker, kind of like you said in your video. DeGuara has the potential. He's very productive at uh, Cincinnati. So there is some potential there. But, again, I would have liked to have maybe had a wide receiver. But either way, you know, if he turns out to be a very good tight end, he and Jay Sternberg can, can do some good things. And at first I didn't like the A.J. Dillon pick. But at the same time, the more I think about it, I actually kind of like it. And I'll tell you why. Aaron Jones is a great running back. We know that. But we have that bruiser now to back him up potentially. And, again, we're, we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Aaron Jones is a free agent in a couple years. Are we going to pay Aaron Jones a bunch of money? We don't know. So we have a solid running back in A.J. Dillon that was very productive at Boston College. Um, he was, He's very powerful. He's a bruiser. And I think that he's going to be a great threat in the red zone. He, we would have really liked to have had – A.J. Dillon in that Philadelphia Eagles game in week number four when we couldn't punch the ball in on the one-yard line. But either way, I think that the A.J. Dillon pick is a sleeper pick. I would have preferred a wide receiver. I'm more so about surrounding your quarterback with weapons as opposed to running the football ton. But again, hey, 
it was 13 games this past year. You know, you're not relying on Aaron Rodgers as much. So I just want to kind of go a little bit more in, into detail about these draft picks. What are your thoughts? What are some of your favorite picks? And what are some picks that you that kind of have you in questions outside the Jordan Love pick potentially? Well, I think the Deguera pick was the most head-scratching for me um, just because, you know, to, to use a third-round pick on him, I was like, okay, again, like the, the where we picked him, I wasn't the biggest fan of. Um, the A.J. Dillon pick, you know, it does make sense because, I mean, listen, we are going to love that pick for the later half of our season when we're playing a lot of home games in the winter in Lambeau. We are absolutely going to love that pick. And you were talking about Aaron Jones in a few years. He's a free agent next year, and he scored 16 touchdowns uh, on the ground this year. They, like, if he replicates that, we are not going to be able to pay him. No. Christian McCaffrey just got, and considering our cap space, and starting next year, you know, not only the free agents that I mentioned and the fact that we need to re-sign Kenny Clark, Aaron Rodgers' cap starts hitting really bad. Then you start to see other guys like the Smith brothers, their caps start hitting really bad. So, like, obviously there's supposed to be a big jump in the cap space next year, but that's up in the air because of COVID. And if we can't have fans in the stands, that's going to dramatically impact the cap. And so you look at this, and, and look especially at Aaron Jones, and I love Aaron Jones, and I wanted to utilize him the way that he was utilized in some games last year. How would we beat him through the entire season? Now, he's had, had injury issues for the first two years of his career, but Aaron Jones, which, by the way, again, was a fifth-round pick, and you were talking about, you know, offensive linemen, too. Even, like, Corey Lindsley was a fifth-round pick. You know, there is 100% value in some of those later picks, because, again, it's just a crapshoot. Nobody knows. But on top of that, you know, the A.J. Dillon one makes sense for me because I think that he's a guy that not only can be utilized now and on a rotational basis, but I think he's also going to be used as a, oh, crap, we can't afford Aaron Jones. Good. We still have a number one running back right now because that seems to be like the most likely scenario. I I hate to say it. I don't think Aaron Jones is staying as a Packer next year unless, like, you know, the guy gets hurt and takes a lesser contract, which I don't want either. You know, it, it's just a matter of, you know, there's only so much money to go around, and especially if the COVID thing uh, ruins the season. But that's a big problem. For the other picks, um, I mean, again, I'm glad we addressed inside linebacker. You know, I'm, I'm happy with the Kamal Martin. We game. got someone. We, we need depth, at least. Yeah, we need somebody there. And, you know, put the body there. I think out of the offensive linemen, I like Runyon the best. Um, he seems to be the most polished, even though I think he needs to be developed. But, you know, we also got guys like Hanson, too, because Corey Lindsley is another free agent next year. I don't know if he's going to get another contract. Which, by the way, Corey Lindsley is one of the most, if not the most underrated player on that team. The guy is always healthy. The guy is always 100%. Um, and, and he really doesn't get any really that recognition. And then he would be a big loss. Him and Bakhtiari would be a major, major loss for this team. Because Bakhtiari is one of the best left tackles in the league. And, you know, that, that's the thing. I think next year, I can almost guarantee that we are going offensive tackle within the first two, and maybe three picks. Um, in the first, second, or third round, because we're going to need it. We're going to need the depth. We need to need a right tackle because Wagner is going to need to be replaced, and we're going to have to maybe potentially replace Bakhtiari at left tackle. You know, and I think that that's uh, you know that's a scary thought. But you know, when you have a good offensive line, you you don't appreciate it. You take it for granted. But you know, trust me, you know when you have a bad offensive line because that's oh yeah, you cannot hide that thing. Offense. You can't hide it. You can't hide it. 
No, I mean, look at the Seahawks. The Seahawks, you know, are one of those teams that Russell Wilson has not had a good offensive line like his entire career. And the guy gets slammed for it. Look at Matthew Stafford gets sacked and injured all the time. You know when you don't have it. And we've had terrible offensive lines before. You know, there's yep. a reason we had to go Brian Mulaga in the first round. Ma- Marshall Newhouse. I, I did not like that pick. Yeah. I mean, but again, like, Rodgers got abused in the beginning. Or Derek Sherrod, yeah. He got abused, in, you know, when he first started. And again, like, you know, they, they, they cleaned it up a little bit, thankfully. And mm-hmm. they got a little bit of offensive line. But we've had a consistent offensive line. Now, again, we've had injuries over the years. Um, so I don't hate the run of offensive lines that we, uh, as offensive linemen that we got in the sixth round. Do I think it might be too late? Sure. But even if one of those guys hits and turns into the next Corey Lindsley or David Bakhtiari, who we got in the fourth, I mean, like, I'm good with that. Like, I, I'm, I'm totally good with it. Because when you get to the sixth and seventh round, it's literally throwing a dart at the wall and hoping you hit something. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you. Like you said, the offensive line is definitely an issue that just cannot be hidden. I mean, look at the Cleveland Browns this past year. Had all these weapons, Oda Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Najoku, bad offensive line. Didn't matter. Look at the Falcons. They had a, they had a lot of great weapons. The offensive line was bad, and it affected their team. But I want to dive into Aaron Jones a little bit more. Obviously, Aaron Jones burst onto the scene this year. It's actually a breath of fresh air that a head coach actually runs the football because we had Aaron Jones with Mike McCarthy the final year he was there in Green Bay. And just and Mike McCarthy at times just didn't run Aaron Jones enough, in my opinion. And I love Aaron Jones to death. He was definitely a big contribu- contributor this past year. But like you said, man, I don't think we're going to resign him. And honestly, to keep it a buck fifty with you, I don't want to re-sign Aaron Jones, not because he's not a good player, but because simply I just think there are more bigger needs as far as winning Super Bowls. You know, I've always said, get the quarterback right. If you can get the quarterback right, us Packers fans know. Bad defense, bad offensive line, lack of running game, Aaron Rodgers will take you there. Find a quarterback. Then my, my philosophy is, you know, protect that quarterback with the offensive line and get him weapons. And then you got to have pass rushers to, pro- to protect the lead. I love how the Kansas City Chiefs are built because they've got a great quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. they got a ton of weapons. They spent some money in key areas on the offensive line, and they've got nothing but pass rushers to go and get after the quarterback and to protect that lead. And they, spent a, they spent a little bit of money in that secondary. So I will overspend a little bit of money for, you know, a number one corner or a really good elite safety that I can move around, kind of like the Honey Badger. But you look at the past, you look at the past couple years, you know, even the even this year, the two starting running backs in the Super Bowl, they were undrafted. Okay? The six highest paid running backs in the NFL this past year, they did not make the playoffs. And some of those running backs, Devontae Freeman, Todd Gurley, Dak Prescott, had pretty quality quarterbacks at their disposal. You know, um Freeman, Matt Ryan, he's been to a Super Bowl. You look at Jared Goff, he's been to a Super Bowl. You look at Dak Prescott, pretty pretty productive player. Look at the Tennessee Titans. Everyone talked about Derrick Henry carried that team. Well, you know, Derrick Henry's great, but once they got a real quarterback in there named Ryan Tannehill, that team took off. So quarterback, coaching, offensive line, defensive line is what wins. And the last 10 Super Bowl winners, you know how many of them had elite running games? The Seahawks. That one time with Marshawn Lynch. He was that great running back on that team. And you look at that team and you could say, well, Marshawn Lynch was there a couple years ago. Why were they not winning? Oh, it's because they didn't have Russell Wilson. So my whole thing is, there's about five, six, or seven transcendent running backs. I do believe Aaron Jones 
is sort of in that boat. He's top 10, I would say, and he's borderline elite right now. But, you know, your run game is as good as your offensive line. So, as much as I love Aaron Jones, I got to be honest with you, I'm not trying to re-sign him. Not with Aaron Rodgers' cap hit, not with the Smith brothers' cap hit in a couple years. You know, like you mentioned, we have a lot of cap, we have a lot of money committed to a lot of very good high-end players, and Aaron Jones are great, but running backs are interchangeable. And I'm not trying to re-sign Aaron Jones. Well, I think also, you know, you talked about, like, how the Chiefs are built. Well, they also have the luxury, you know, that Patrick Mahomes is still on his rookie contract. You know, and that has kind of been, like, the try-and-true formula now for successful teams. You hit a home run, hopefully, which is obviously very difficult to do, with a QB in which you can spend a crap ton of money to surround him with talent, and then hopefully you get a Super Bowl, and then you have to re-sign them. But, like, you know, with the Chiefs, it is going to come at the cost because Patrick Mahomes is going to be the highest-paid QB in NFL history, you know, next year. I mean, he's going from a base salary, I think it was, like, over, like, a little over $800,000. Like, he made $800,000 as a base salary last year, and because they're exercising their fifth-year option, that jumps up to $24 million this year. So, like, it, it pops up, and because of that, like, they are going to be limited on what they can do. You look at when we won a Super Bowl, it was on Aaron Rodgers' rookie contract, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's his fifth year, and you get your fifth-year extension, and that's it. And it's, and it's a similar idea of, like, that's really how coaches are kind of going. And that, you know, to your point we were saying before about not understanding the Jordan Love pick, you know, that is an argument that I completely can get behind because the problem is, is that let's just say, for example, you know, Aaron Rodgers plays the next two years. That's two years down of Jordan Love's rookie contract. He has three left, and at that point in your third year, you have to make the decision if you are extending him for a fifth year. So the the timing of it and how their contracts are going to overlap, you're really not going to get a ton out of Jordan Love, you know, as a cheap rookie. Instead, by the time you actually know he's good, let's just say two years from now, you don't have a lot left on his contract before you have to sign him to a big deal. And that's when that becomes a big problem because then you're limited again, just like we are with Aaron Rodgers. We are limited on who we can sign because we're paying uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers a crap ton of money, as we should. You know, but that, that's the, the It comes at a price. With QB. It comes at a price. Yeah, absolutely. And literally, it comes at a price. So I think it's just a matter of, you know, Patrick Mahomes, I, I think he's an incredibly talented quarterback. Um, you know, people saying he's a great, like, you know, in the top five conversation, you know, the guy has only been playing for, you know, four years. I, I, like, he's off to a pretty now, good start, right? but yeah, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's off to a very, very good start. You know, he didn't even play his rookie season. You know, he, he played two very good seasons of football, 100%. But, you know, I also would not be completely and totally surprised if, you know, Patrick Mahomes' career goes very similarly to what Aaron Rodgers is is that they are consistently good, they're consistently in the hunt, they're deep into the playoffs, you know, but maybe he only gets one ring. And now, again, maybe they're going to be able to pull off more than that because they have a little bit more of a team behind him. You know, I mean, you look at the 2010 season when we won the Super Bowl, we lost a lot of key people after that year. Jermichael Finley, we lost Nick Collins. You know, we lost some big guys, some big run blockers that really impacted that team, and we never really filled those holes. I mean, I always point back to the 2014 season where we were... That The 2014 season is where we should have gone to the Super Bowl, and I think we could have won the Super Bowl. But, Brandon you know, Bostic, I hate you. Yeah, it's just... It's, it's a, lot of, a lot of things went wrong in that game. But, like, that essentially was, like, the tipping point. 
if there was a team that I could point to, like, yes, that was a definite Super Bowl team that should have and would have gone to the Super Bowl, that's the one I picked. 2016 was the Aaron Rodgers show. That's run the table. That literally is all Aaron Rodgers without a defense, without a real run game. You know, that that's the Aaron Rodgers show, and that's why you pay him all the money that you pay him. But again, you know, it, it is a team sport. You can have the greatest QB of all time, but you do need weapons around them. And that's when things get difficult. You look at the Cowboys right now, you know, they are about to go into a dangerous place when it comes to cap because they're paying Amari Cooper a ton of money, they're paying Ezekiel Elliott a ton of money, and I'm assuming they're going to pay Dak Prescott a ton of money as well if they decide to not go with Andy Dalton. So, like, that's, that's the risk that you run. The cap is always there, and you're going to have to pay it sooner or later. Yeah, and you mentioned some of these Packers teams that should have won the Super Bowl. Personally, I think, that, I think that if that Packers team got to the Super Bowl in 2014, I know that we beat the Patriots in the regular season, and it's very tough to beat the Patriots two times a year. The Giants did it a couple years ago when Eli Manning won the Super Bowl, but i got to be honest with you, that Packers team was pretty darn good, and I would have given us a definite good shot to beat that Patriots team, um, especially when Aaron Rodgers was rolling that year. And 2016, that NFC title game loss to the Falcons was just bad. It just uh, just left a sour taste in my in my throat, man, because... As bad as that team was, when Aaron Rodgers was clicking, the defense just magically played good. And the running game was okay at times. You know, Montgomery played okay. The defense just played good behind their quarterback. You know, there were some fumbles that happened in that first quarter. And when you're having Ladarius Gunter covering Julio Jones, that's not the ideal fit. I do think that we could have gave the Patriots a run for their money that year. But then I look at the year after that, you know, 2017, when Aaron Rodgers Broke his collarbone via Anthony Barr in, in Minnesota. I felt that team was a was pretty darn good as well. You know, we were up to a four and one start. And that year a lot of quarterbacks got hurt. And the Eagles, as good as they were, if we would have got them in Green Bay, I felt we could have won the Super Bowl that year. And once again, we probably could have beat the Patriots potentially. I think that Aaron Rodgers would have had something for that Bill Belichick team, no doubt. That's just my opinion though. You, you know, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think 2014 was definitely the best chance. 2016, I think we were outmatched. You know, the, you know, it was, it was a great win, you know, against the Cowboys in the divisional round, but like that was a team that there were some significant holes. I mean, our, our pass defense was literally 31st. So bad. During the regular season. Like, it wasn't good. It just, it wasn't, it, like, it was just so lopsided. We had a good run defense. But, um, and then 2019, I think it was just like we were a solid team. I think, you know, we were kind of middle in the pack. Uh, when it came to our offense, and then we were kind of middle of the pack when it came to our passing defense. I think we were 14th, um, and then we were top 10 in points allowed, which was good. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, this year will definitely be more challenging. But, you know, I think that the Packers, you know, a lot of people were just like, Rodgers should have gone to more Super Bowls. And I, I get that, and I, and, I, and I agree with that. I also think at the same time, though, 2014 was probably our best chance to actually bring home another ring. I think 2016 would have definitely been tough. And I think this year would have been tough, too. I think it would have definitely been possible because it's any given Sunday. But 2014, for me, will always be like, yeah, that's, that's the one you want back. Yeah, and honestly, Tom, i got to be honest with you. I, I know you mentioned about how the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, are they going to be able to win Super Bowls on, you know, past his rookie deal? I think that Patrick Mahomes is, is so good to where he potentially can overcome some of those things. Will he do it? We don't know. But I look at the Chiefs this past year – and they are a prime example of why Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, has not been to more Super Bowls. You want to know why? Because at times, that defense just was not fixed. 
A lot of people forget this. You know, Patrick Mahomes did not play very well for most of that Super Bowl up until that fourth quarter. And guess what? Aaron Rodgers and our offense struggled for a long time in that 49ers game up until the fourth quarter. But you want to know why Patrick Mahomes won that Super Bowl? Obviously, he's great. He's clutch, no doubt. He's a great quarterback. But that defense became a top 10 defense statistically that year. The year before, the offense was putting up all-time points. But that defense was awful. And guess what? The Chiefs immediately made changes. They fired that defensive coordinator right after the game ended. They brought in some players in that secondary the very next year. They spent money in free agency. You know, they retooled their defensive line. The secondary improved. They got a new defensive coordinator in there. And I just look back at the Packers with regret as far as the management goes because it just kind of seems like for so long they said, yeah, we have Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to make up for all of our holes. We don't need to spend money in free agency. We don't need to, you know, fire Dom Capers after he gives up over 200 yards to Colin Kaepernick in a playoff game. And I just look back and... The Packers are. I won't say they failed Aaron Rodgers because you got you got a Super Bowl out of Aaron Rodgers and you surround him with a lot with a lot of good weapons. But at times, I think they kind of got lazy and they did not make the necessary moves in order to try to win Super Bowls. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it that way, but they just didn't get it. You know what I mean? Like they just didn't get what was required. They weren't aggressive enough, in my opinion. And I think that was the ultimate downfall. I look at the Chiefs. They were aggressive with their free agency. They were aggressive as far as, you know, bringing in some new coaches. They weren't afraid of change. Okay, they weren't afraid to make those trades. They traded for Frank Clark. People forget that. And sometimes the Packers just did not do that. And that was the ultimate downfall, I would say. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it's a catch-22. Because could we have been more aggressive in free agency? Absolutely. 150%. And we really weren't. You know, and, and obviously, you know, bringing, like, Julius Peppers in. Like, that was a big one. You know, like, that that enhanced our... I like that. A lot. Yeah, like, you know, that, that was a good pickup. You know, we probably kept them a year too long. But, you know, the the whole... Like, you look at, like, 2011. Like, there's a lot of similarities between 2011 uh, Packers and what you were talking about last year with the Chiefs. And that our offense was disgustingly good. Like, it was just disgusting. That was a 15-1 season. We were running people over. And our defense was crap. Like, they sucked. But we didn't matter because we were just score more points. And, you know, and we ran into the Giants and they were like, well, we're just not going to let you score points. And we had no answer to it. And I think, you know, when it comes to the, the Packers, I think it's a mix of really bad drafting because, you know, you look at the guys that we picked up afterwards. I mean, like, look at the first rounders just from, like, right after the Super Bowl ring. Derek Sherrod, fought. Nick Perry, should not have gotten an extension. Dayton Jones, lost. Taha Clinton Dick, never lived up to a first round. Demarius Randall, no longer on the team. Kenny Clark, so, you know, six years later in 2016, we hit a home run with that. We don't have one in 2017, and we go with Kevin King in the second round. And you know what I mean? Like, that, it, it's tough. When you consistently don't draft that well, it's difficult. Now, yes, we got guys like Devontae Adams, David Bakhtiari, uh, Micah High, who we could have kept, Mike Daniels, Casey Hayward, Randall Cobb. Well, there was a lot more guys that we just did not hit on in the draft. And the Packers, who have been known for a very long time to be a draft and develop team, failed on a lot of picks for the drafting part. You know, and, and that was that came as a detriment to the team. And the team didn't get better. Because when you don't hit on the draft, that's when you turn a free agency and go, okay, let's plug some of these holes. And we never really did that. Instead, we brought in freaking tight ends. You know, we brought in 
Jared Cook and Martellus Bennett and Jimmy Graham. And McCarthy never th- McCarthy never called plays for him. No, he never. After, well, after the Jermichael Finley incident, where he like was designing an offense around Jermichael Finley, he just never went back to it again and just forgot to incorporate them back into the offense. And they just never did it. You know, and, and it is what it is. You know, Rodgers has had good wide receivers for his career for a long time, and then they left. You know, and, and that's why when you look at like, the, the 2018 draft, you know, when them drafting three wide receivers, that was an attempt to kind of fill the hole that Jordy Nelson, you know, James Jones not there anymore, Randall Cobb eventually would make his exodus. You know, that that was an attempt, but it didn't really work. Again, we, I'm not closing the door on MVS very huge just yet, but again, at some point, you know, you do need to have a balance of we utilize free agency, which again, which is also not a guarantee, and we also need to draft well. And, you know, the Goody hit a home run with the free agency last year, and I think that oh. that's what kind of made fans even more pissed off. And what I mean by that is, like, you hit on Zedarius, you hit on Preston, you hit on Amos, you hit on all these guys, and so then the fan base goes, wait a minute, that worked. It made our team better. How come we're not doing that again? And, it, and it's kind of like a catch-22. We're like, well, you know, we can't do that every single year. We can't spend that amount of money every single year. And I just got to hope that, you know, he hit it out of the park again with uh, Christian Kirksey because if he did, you know, then, you know, that's going to make our team pretty damn good. Yeah, and as you mentioned about the draft bus, you know, I mentioned about how I want, you know, to make some of the trades. I want, I want the aggressive trade. I want you to go out and sign for agents. You got to also realize that Green Bay is not known for bringing in free agents. That's just the history. You know, it's not Dallas. It's not Houston. It's not San Francisco. It's not the most attractive place to live. You know, it's pretty much just Packers football and, you know, your local restaurant, I would say, or your local bar. So players aren't going to want to necessarily always come to Green Bay. You know, there's always the attraction of Aaron Rodgers, no doubt. But as far as a lifestyle, eh, Green Bay's not really up there. So you really need to actually draft well. And... The drafting just was not very good. Like you said, after we won that Super Bowl, we were we went through about a three to four year gap of just bad draft picks, especially in the first round. And you all and you can you can always say you're defined by your third, fourth, and fifth and sixth round picks, but at the same time, when you can get top of the line players in the first and second round, you need to do that. And we just really didn't do that. And it's unfortunate, man. It really is. I want to shift to free agency now. So we talked about Christian Kirksey a little bit. We talked about Devin Funches a little bit. We talked about Rick Rick Wagner a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on these guys. Personally, I think that I think that Kirksey is a pretty is an upgrade. He may not be a big time upgrade over Blake Martinez, but I think he's an upgrade. There's this video there was this video flowing around um, you know, I would say about two months ago. I was on YouTube. I saw this video where it said Blake Martinez is the most overrated player in the NFL. And it was this guy breaking down his film of just some bad plays that Blake Martinez, you know, made him not being in the right holes and things of that nature. Blake Martinez was a, you know, he stuffed the stat sheet as far as tackles. Tackles are kind of a skewed stat at times. You know, football, I've always said football is more than just statistics. And Blake Martinez hustles, you know, he he's in the right spot at times. But I just think that there's not a whole lot of versatility there. Kersey provides some versatility for us. And I look at Devin Funches. Not the most sexy signing, I would say. He's 26 years old, so he still has, you know, time to develop into something really good. He had a pretty solid season in 2017, going for 840 yards 
and eight touchdowns uh, with the Carolina Panthers. I do think that Aaron Rodgers is the type of quarterback to make a guy like Devin Funches look good. And the one thing that Devin Funches does pretty good that we struggle with at times is contested catches. You know, sometimes Aaron Rodgers would roll outside the pocket last year. He would throw into very tight windows, and our wide receivers just couldn't make the play. They would drop the ball. I do think that Devin Funches can contribute in the red zone, and he's very good at those jump balls and contested catches. And let's be real. We just need someone else beside Devontae Adams to make plays. We hope Marquez Valdez-Scantling can be that guy. I look at Rick Wagner. Personally, I think that he's solid. You know, he's average. He's nothing special. I think that people are kind of overblowing, you know, the loss of Bulaga. I think Bulaga's a great player, no doubt. But I think that Rick Wagner's steady. You know, he only allowed three sacks last year. So while he's not Bulaga, he's a steady, cheap replacement, at least for now. So what are your thoughts on the big key free agent signings? Well, I think first he's all going to depend on if he's healthy or not. I think that's going to make or break it. I think he can be a good player, but he's just had injury issues. So if he can stay healthy, I think it's, a, it's definitely an upgrade. Um, Brett Wagner, for me, is, uh, again, like, I think he's a band-aid to, you know, or a stopgap to the next right tackle that we wind up drafting. Um, you know, again, I think he's a downgrade from Bulaga, but uh, and that doesn't mean that, you know, he's not going to be able to do a serviceable job. And then with Funches, you know, the guy has had issues with drops. I mean, a lot of people point to, like, you know, Cam Newton not being the most accurate quarterback, and that's fine. I think it's just a matter of, like, I wasn't excited when we brought Jimmy Graham in because they kind of said almost the exact same thing that you're saying about, like, oh, he's going to be a red zone target and a deep threat, and blah, 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 blah. And it never panned out. And I think just, like, what we've seen from Devin Funches, obviously he was injured last year and, and played, like, you know, for like five seconds in the Colts. But, I mean, it's just one of those guys that he, he's on a, a prove-it deal. You know, it's like it's a cheap deal, you know, come in, prove that you can play, and that's it. You know, and and I think, you know, MBS, like this is his last shot, and I think EQ, missing last season, has another year because he only played his rookie season and that was it. But, I, um, you know, EQ is another guy who's going to need to step up, and obviously Lazard. I think, though, you know, when you're looking at our free agency, it obviously definitely is less appealing than it was last year. But I think if we could get Kirksey out of it and we get a – solid guy who can cover over the middle, then I will be happy. Even if Wagner just turns out to be average and whether Funches doesn't do anything. You know, if we can get Kirksey, I'll be a happy guy. Yeah, Jimmy Graham was never quite the same after he left Drew Brees and Sean Payton. I just don't know what has been wrong with him. You know, he, you can kind of point to age as far as him being Green Bay. You know, maybe not the fastest player in the world nowadays. Has, has declined with age. But in Seattle, he just really didn't fit in with their offense. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, it just seems like every tight end we brought in the last couple of years, you know, outside Jermichael Finley, you know, we brought in Martellus Bennett. We brought in, um, what's the other guy's name? Um, ben, Jared Cook. Yeah, Jared Cook, Bennett. Just hasn't really worked out. So, But, again, I do think that Devin Funches has some potential. I really do. I think that he's a sleeper pickup. He, he's 26 years old. You know, he's not at a later stage in his career. He can only go up, in my opinion. So, I mean, I think I like that pick. I really, I, I like that pick about Shasai. I really do. Um, I think that he's going to give us some a guy that can get some contested catches. And again, we just need another wide receiver besides Devontae Adams. This could be his breakout year. We shall see. I do agree that MVS it's a make or break year for MVS. Let me get your thoughts on MVS. You know, obviously was a little bit inconsistent this year. I could tell the coaches kind of did not trust him. As the season went on, they just they just kind of stopped calling plays for him. I mean, in the playoffs, he just virtually did nothing. Um, it was Devontae Adams, and pretty much no one else did anything, really, in the playoffs. You know, Jimmy Graham had that one nice catch. But 
I think that MVS has talent. He, he's got the size. He's got the speed. It's more so the mental game with MVS, you know, as far as the drops go, you know, just being on the same page with Aaron Rodgers and a new offense. But we look at Devontae Adams, you know, a couple years ago. Devontae Adams in his sophomore season kind of took a step back. A lot of people were, you know, dogging on Devontae Adams, saying that he's not going to pan out. MVS kind of in a, in a similar situation where his sophomore season wasn't as good as you would have thought. Maybe he breaks out this year. So, you know, what are your thoughts on MVS? Do you think that he's going to have a good season? Honestly, I think that he's the X factor for our offense because outside of Devontae Adams, I mean, and deep threat, and as far as, you know, beating teams vertically, that's really not his specialty. He can do it. But MVS is our true deep threat as far as our offense goes. What are your thoughts on MVS? Yeah, he's the only guy who's the speedy wide receiver on our team right now. Even guys like that we brought in from like the CFL, like Bagleton, like he he's a possession guy. You know, he's the guy who's just going to move the chains, and you know, he's going to be a consistent guy if he makes the team. And and that's what he really is for. I mean, Devin Fudge is not the fastest guy. It literally comes down to MVS, and you know, he proved that in the Broncos touchdown that he had last season. And I think that if he doesn't step up, you know, that that's going to definitely be a major, major problem because he's really kind of the only guy who has that skill set on our team right now. So, yeah, I think him taking a step will definitely unlock a lot more of that playbook and a lot more looks because, you know, Rogers has expressed confidence in him. He did uh, at his press conference uh, last week or two weeks ago. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just a matter of he, he just needs to prove it. I mean, like, you look at a guy who's a fan favorite, um, Oh my god, I'm totally blanking on his name right now. Yep, totally lost it. The guy from the Bengals that we picked up. Nope. Yeah. Uh, literally like the only white, white, white wide receiver we have. And I uh, is it Kumaro? Kumaro. Yeah, Kumaro. Yeah, take yeah. Kumaro. I like him. Yeah, he's good. Uh, oh yeah, so, but like Kumaro is another guy. He's a possession guy. I actually see Bagleton probably beating him out for a roster spot. I know Rogers likes him a lot, but he's a possession guy, and I like Kumaro. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Kumaro is nothing like, you know, MVS and what the skill set that he brings. It's going to be a shame if, uh, you know, that kind of goes to waste. But like you said, like it, it's a make or break year for him. Yeah. Now, I want to get to record predictions for next year. I'm going to go first. I think that the Packers are going to go 11-5 and next year. I hope we go 16-0 and win the Super Bowl in the process. I hope that happens, but it's not probably going to happen. But either way, as a Packers fan, I think that realistically, best-case scenario – Probably about twelve and four. Worst case scenario, probably nine and seven. You know, we like 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 I was talking about earlier, and you kind of attribute to this as well. We didn't really lose a whole lot of talent, but did we get a whole lot better? And this schedule is very tough, Tom. I gotta say, it's a tough schedule, and we play a lot of good quarterbacks. You know, Aaron Rodgers is he gonna be you know ticked off by Jordan Love? I don't think so personally, but again, you know that could be a possibility. So I think that. 12 and 4 is the best case scenario. 9 and 7 is the worst case. And again, I was winning 11 games. We were a 13 win team last year. We had we still have a pretty good pass rush with Zadarius and Preston Smith. Kenny Clark is a very underrated player that no one talks about. That is just a stud. Secondary is pretty solid. We have a very good run game with Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, and Jamal Williams are pretty good compliments. Devontae Adams is a stud, top five wide receiver in football. Our offensive line is pretty steady. I'm not going to call it elite, but it's definitely not terrible. It, it's above average, I would say. Now, as far as Aaron Rodgers goes, I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to have a pretty darn good season. And I'll tell you why. First of all, 
it's his second year in the Matt LaFleur offense. I think that last year, he did a pretty good job, you know, adjusting to a new system, you know, with new play calls, being more of a run-happy offense, you know, more play action. It was an adjustment for Aaron Rodgers. He usually was in the shotgun a lot. He was running the show with Mike McCarthy. I think in the second year of a new offense, he's going to be better. We added Devin Funches. I think that's a very underrated signing. I expect Marquez Valdez-Scanley to break out this year. I'm hoping he does. And honestly, I think the MVS can only go up from here. You know, he had a disappointing season last year. And Marquez Valdez-Scanley doesn't play very well this year. I mean, it could be pretty much the end of his, you know, really solid career in Green Bay up to this point. So, I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to come out with a chip on his shoulder, especially after the Packers drafted Jordan Love. I could just see Aaron Rodgers just putting the team on his back, being ticked off with a chip on his shoulder and saying, hey, NFL, I'm still here. And I I look at our division. Minnesota's lost a ton of talent. They did draft very well, but they still have a lot of holes to fill, a lot of young players in a shortened training camp. That could be a concern. I think Detroit's going to be improved, but I think that around seven to eight wins is their ceiling. They could be as bad as a four-win team. So Detroit's Detroit. And honestly, I don't believe in Chicago. I think their offensive line is a question. I don't love their wide receivers. Their wide receivers are solid, but they don't have a Devontae Adams. The defense is okay, but they had a great defense last year. And Nick Foles, he could be an upgrade over over Mitch Trubisky, but, I mean, he's kind of a one-hit wonder in Philadelphia. I look at our schedule. It's a very tough schedule, and I I would not be shocked if I'm wrong about eleven and five. I started to go ten and six, but I think that Aaron Rodgers, with that added chip on his shoulder, adds about one more win to our season at the Vikings. I think that's a win. You know, it's week one. We're gonna come out. They have a lot of young players. We're gonna shock some people in Minnesota. I think Detroit's a win at home. At New Orleans is a loss. Falcons is a win. Bye week at Tampa Bay. I think they're going to be pretty good this year. I have that as a loss at Houston after losing a game versus Tampa Bay. We barely beat Houston. I think that Minnesota, by about week eight or nine, is going to be more implemented with their system and their new players. I think that we actually lose that game at the 49ers. If it was a, you know, if it, if we were coming off a bye potentially, or if it was a full week to prepare for that defensive line, I would give us the win potentially, but they're a bad matchup. I have that as a loss. Jaguars is a win. At the Colts is a win. They have a solid team, but I don't believe in Phillip Rivers. I was winning that game. Chicago's a win. Philly's a win. Because we because we get them at home. At Detroit's a loss. I think that they play as tough last year. It's a division game. We'll see what happens, but I think that's a loss. Carolina, Tennessee, Chicago, three straight wins to end the year. I think that at Chicago is going to be a W. I just don't believe in their team this year. So, I have 11-5. Uh, what are your thoughts? You can pull up the schedule if you want. You can you know, reflect on my record. What do you think is a realistic ep- expectation? And how many wins do you think the Packers are going to get next year? Yeah, I, I think 11-5 and five is, is pretty in line with it. I think the toughest games, obviously, are going to be, you know, the Vikings, they always play a pretty decently tough. Uh, the Saints game will be tough. The Bucks game will be tough. The 49ers game. And then the Titans game, I think, will be difficult as well. And then, on top of that, you can always have, like, the Bears and the Lions pull one off, you know, and, and, and win one of those games. And even the Eagles, I think, would be difficult. So, yeah, I think, like, worst-case scenario, you're looking at, like, a 9-7 team. Um, but I think 11-5 is kind of, like, right in the middle of the road of where I see them going. Um, but, again, they could also surprise. And if we sweep the division again, that's another win right there. And that's, like, a 12-4. I'm not completely sold on the Buccaneers. I know a lot of people are crowning them already, but I'm not, like, on that bandwagon just yet. Okay. Um, 
So yeah, I think um, you know a, a twelve and four season uh, or but eleven and five, I think is uh, is right where they it, it is is reasonable. Yeah, I think that you know. A ten. Anytime you have Aaron Rodgers on your team, who is an elite quarterback, in my opinion, still to this day, you pretty much start at eight or nine, ten wins. You know, when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, you're probably, if your team is relatively healthy, gonna win about nine to ten games just off their greatness alone. I think the roster is good enough to add about another win or two to that um, caliber of a team. I would say so. Yeah, I think that eleven wins is good. I could see 10-6, but I'm going to go 11 wins. I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to have a great season. The schedule is very tough, but, yeah, I think the Packers win the NFC North once again this year, and I think that Tom agrees with me. Now, I'm going to get to Aaron Rodgers. I want to address Aaron Rodgers a little bit right here. Is Aaron Rodgers still an elite quarterback? I think so, but, you know, his numbers have declined the last couple years a little bit. His completion percentage has gone down a little bit. Pass rating has gone down a little bit. I will say from roughly 2011 to 2017, this is just my opinion, I thought Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback in football. From 2011, the year he won MVP, to early 2017 when he got hurt versus the Vikings, I said that guy is the best quarterback in football. He's not quite as accurate anymore, has lost a little bit of athleticism, has had to deal with some new coaches. You know, the whole situation with Mike McCarthy has not helped him. So his numbers have gone down a little bit. As you can see, the last couple of years, the wide receiver town hasn't been the greatest. But again, Aaron Rodgers last year, 4,000 yards, 26 touchdown passes, four interceptions, a 95 pass rating. Most coaches are going to take that. And that's an offseason for Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people say Aaron Rodgers is falling off a cliff. And that's pretty doggone good, I would say. Um... I think Aaron Rodgers still ranks in the top five among quarterbacks. I think that Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson are better than him right now. I think that Russell Wilson and Mahomes are playing at the highest level right now. Then we get to battle it out with Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. And I got to be honest with you, I still think Aaron Rodgers is roughly the third best quarterback in football. I think that Deshaun Watson is right behind him. Um, he's done a lot of good things behind a bad offensive line with subpar coaching. Lamar Jackson led the league in touchdown passes this year. I know it's only been one year, and I know he flamed out in the playoffs, but I think that most coaches, if you ask them, could I get Lamar Jackson this year, I would say if you have a draft for quarterbacks, he goes somewhere in the top five. His season was good enough for me to put him in the top five with guys like Drew Brees and Tom Brady getting older. I still think Tom Brady's pretty good. You know, he had a, he had to deal with not the best wide receiver weapons this past year. He's not the most mobile quarterback in the world. Definitely not the Tom Brady from 2007 throwing mad touchdown passes to Randy Moss. But I, th- I still think that his football IQ, his attention to detail is br- pretty good. And Drew Brees, you know, he's flamed out in the playoffs the last couple of years, but he's still pretty accurate. I think Drew Brees is somewhere in the top seven. But I think Aaron Rodgers is roughly the third best quarterback in football. So, you know, do you agree? Do you think Rodgers is top three, top five? Is he still elite? What do you think? Yeah, I still think he's top five. Um, he, I think he's definitely still top five QB because, again, you know, you also have to look at it, too, that he finally had another 1,000-yard rusher last season, too. So he didn't have to do as much. And I mentioned that before he started in last season. Our philosophy you know, and changed. I, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you were talking about before about, like, Rodgers going off. I don't know if his stats are going to be necessarily that much better than they were. Maybe the completion rating will be a little bit better if the wide receivers step up a little bit and his accuracy is a little bit better. But I, I think just because you're going to have Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, you know, to carry the rock, that they're not going to have to. I mean, I've been saying this for years at this point, that the team, 
while Aaron Rodgers is obviously, you know, the, the, best, the best of the best, you know, the whole team should not revolve around him because when it does, 2016 is a perfect example of that. It did, and it got us to the NFC Championship game, which is great. We got blown out in the NFC Championship game. The best opportunity that we had to win another Super Bowl, again, I think was 2014 because we had a more complete football team. Our offense was doing good. We had Eddie Lacy, and we had a great Aaron Rodgers, and we had a decently good defense. Yeah. Since then, you know, it, there there's really hasn't been a lack of balance, and I think that that's one of the reasons why we haven't done well. Obviously, there's the injuries, which whether it's the collarbone or whether it was a leg, uh, you know, that, that those have been significant. And Rodgers has spoken to this as well. He said he feels great, you know, but when the legs go, you know, the guy isn't as fast as he was anymore. But you know, so that might limit him a little bit. But the guy also can play very well from the pocket. I think Aaron Rodgers is absolutely still a top five QB. Um, you know, and I think he's going to be, uh, you know, unless something you know gets injured or something like that. I think that he's going to be for at least another two years. But you can start to see that the guy is definitely getting older. He does miss a few more balls, but I still think he's still you know one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, I think from 2011 to 2017, Aaron Rodgers was just far and away better than everyone else. Um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that just as a Packers fan, just as a football fan in general. I mean, the way he was rolling outside the pocket, just the pinpoint accurate throws. I mean, the guy was completing Hail Marys, you know, in the playoffs versus the Cardinals. You know, that Hail Mary versus the Lions was great. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was just on another level. He has declined a little bit. So... I think that because Aaron Rodgers was at such a high level for that long, you know, just a little bit of a drop-off. Some people are saying, oh, is he falling off a cliff? No, he hasn't. He's still better than your favorite quarterback, I would say. And people can point to the completion percentage a little bit. Aaron Rodgers throws the football away a lot if something is not there, you know. He's not going to turn the football over. He's not going to make mistakes. A lot of people just point to the completion percentage as him falling off a cliff. And same thing with Tom Brady. When people fail to realize, those guys throw the ball in the dirt. They throw the ball away. They will not put their team in danger of, you know, going, you know, into a bad situation. So, I think that statistics are just super overrated football. You got to watch the film. You got to watch the details, the the fine things of the game, and I think Aaron Rodgers is still that bad man the Packers know, and he definitely can win as a Super Bowl. You tend to agree? Yeah, I think he could definitely still lead us to a Super Bowl. I mean, I, I, I don't, if anyone who disagrees with that, I mean, again, I don't think they watched a whole lot of tape, but, you know, I, I think that with a more balanced team around him and a couple of key players stepping up, I absolutely think that he can lead us to another Super Bowl. Yeah, I tend to agree. Now, let's get to Aaron Rodgers as far as his all-time status. Where does he rank all-time? This is the question I am going to pose to Tom right now. Now, obviously, in my opinion, I think that Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, I have John Elway in my top four. He's been to five Super Bowls. He was the Aaron Rodgers of his era, in my opinion. The mobile quarterback, you know, not Lamar jackson S, but, you know, roll outside the pocket, can make all the plays off schedule, has the big-time arm. I think that John Elway is a little bit underrated, so I have him in my top four. I think those guys are, are kind of on a pedestal. They've won multiple Super Bowls. They've been to multiple Super Bowls, and they're pretty darn good quarterbacks as far as talent goes. Then it gets interesting after those guys, the Johnny Unitas of the world, the Drew Breeses of the world, the Brett Farbs of the world, the Steve Youngs, the Otto Grahams, the Dan Marinos, the Aaron Rodgers. And honestly, as far as talent goes, I don't care what anyone says. Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, if you just want to go as far as talent, 
I think that he's the best quarterback of all time. The plays he makes off schedule, the way he can maneuver inside and outside the pocket, throwing off platform with bad footwork, the way he changes his arm angles. He's got the best touchdown interception ratio ever, the best pass ring in NFL history ever. And people can point to his lack of playoff success. Let me tell you something right now. Aaron Rodgers has never failed to score 20 points in a playoff game. Aaron Rodgers is 9-1 in the, in the playoffs when his team allows 25 points or less. That's pretty darn good, I would say. So if you just allow 20 points in a playoff game, if you just hold the score to under 30, Aaron Rodgers, 9 times out of 10, is going to win that game. He's got the 5th best pass rating in history in the playoffs. That's better than Drew Brees. That's better than Russell Wilson. That's better than Tom Brady. And that's better than Peyton Manning. And I'm not a big stats guy, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Now, I've always kind of said that Aaron Rodgers is better than Drew Brees. And Saints fans get mad at me. And I understand why, because Drew Brees is great. But the reason why I have Aaron Rodgers over Drew Brees is because Drew Brees has missed the playoffs nine times in his career. And we both can agree I think you would agree that Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees have not had the best defenses. And guess what? Aaron Rodgers, he rarely misses the playoffs in his prime. Go back and look. His rookie year, he missed the playoffs. His, his first official season starting. You know, the year he got hurt in 2017, he missed the playoffs. And in 2018, he missed the playoffs. Outside of that, Aaron Rodgers, nine times out of ten, is getting you to the playoffs no matter what. That 2016 season, that was crazy. And Drew Brees has never won an MVP. Aaron Rodgers has two MVPs. Drew Brees is a 500 quarterback in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers, above 500. I tend to think that some of Drew Brees' stats are inflated by him playing in a dome. And it's not to take anything away from Drew Brees. But I just watched the tape. I think Aaron Rodgers is more talented. And I think that at some point, Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback in football. I can't say the same thing about Drew Brees. And so... It would be ideal if Aaron Rodgers wins another Super Bowl for me to put him in the top five. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm making an exception. I think Aaron Rodgers is the top five quarterback of all time. I do. Because the way he's been able to elevate his teammates, he's got the one Super Bowl, I know, but it's not been his fault, honestly. Look, You look at the defenses he's had to deal with. You look at the run games he's had to deal with. It's not been on Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. Sure, he could have played a little bit better. But he's had to make up for a lot of holes. The talent is there. The accomplishments is there. It's not out of the question that he can get to 500 touchdown passes one day. He's on his way to 400 pretty soon. He's won two MVPs. And at his peak, outside of Peyton Manning in the regular season, that's the best quarterback I've seen. So where do you think Aaron Rodgers ranks all time? I think that around top seven to top five is appropriate. But I have him in my top five. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't really do like a whole ton of rankings because I just find that it's like, it's almost arbitrary. And the reason I say that is because, like, Aaron Rodgers has never had the defense that Tom Brady has had for no. so many years of his career. Never has had that. You know, and I think, like, that's the, and he's never had to play against the AFC East every single season. So, like, you know, we can compare stats, we can compare wins, we can compare completion rating, we can compare rings. And honestly, like, it doesn't really matter. I think Aaron Rodgers is definitely a top 10 QB of all time, just based off of his skill, based off of his accuracy, sure. based off on those ridiculous throws that he makes. Um, you know, but I also think Bart Starr is up there, too. You know, I think that, like, he's another guy that, like, people sleep on. I know, like, he's, like, one of the older guys. But I think, you know, when it comes to, to Rodgers, I think just what he was able to do on the field, he was doing things that Patrick Mahomes was doing back in the day. You know, like, he's doing the stuff that are like, wow, I've never seen that before. I'm like, nope, Aaron Rodgers has done that. 
you know, whether it is beating with your legs or whether it is, you know, making ridiculous one-armed or sideways throws, like, he does it. And he has done it. And he's done it with less. And I think that that in alone and the lack of a supporting cast that he has had, especially on the defensive side of the ball, definitely makes him a top-ten quarterback. I tend to agree. I know that I'm going out on a limb by saying he's top five. But, hey, I got opinions, and that's just my opinion on Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, I think he's definitely top ten. I'm not going to be mad if people don't have him in their top five because, in my opinion, I think that Aaron Rodgers kind of needs to get another Super Bowl to really put him amongst that group, in my opinion. But Drew Brees only has one ring, and I think that Aaron Rodgers is better. I think that Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees are kind of neck and neck. They're right outside that class with Manning and Brady. I'm not I'm not big on those lists either. I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on where you think Aaron Rodgers kind of ranks a little bit. Every now and then, I kind of go out on a limb, make some of these lists. But yeah, I think that Aaron Rodgers is definitely top 10. Anyone that thinks he's not top 10 is uh, delusional. And yeah, with another Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers might be on the Mount Rushmore of NFL quarterbacks. Just saying. But yeah, I want to move on to Aaron Rodgers again. And you made a video about this talking about if Aaron Rodgers will win another Super Bowl ring before his career is over. I actually made a video very similar to that. But it was actually it was actually before Jordan Love got picked. And I said to the Packers, you know, they're going to be favorites to win their division the next couple of years. They have the pieces in place. If Aaron Rodgers is on the team for the next three to four seasons, it's not out of the question that this team can win a Super Bowl. You know, they went 13-3 with a rookie head coach. You know, with not a lot of great weapons outside of Devontae Adams. And you look at the team and just add a couple pieces, get a couple more breaks, maybe get San Francisco at home, that team can win a Super Bowl potentially if they get there. And unfortunately, after looking at the Jordan Love pick, I can't guarantee that Aaron Rodgers wins another Super Bowl in Green Bay. Because honestly, the way things are looking right now, I think that Jordan Love is going to play sooner rather than later. He's not going to sit the bench forever. And as you mentioned earlier, and as I kind of mentioned in a couple of my videos in the past, Jordan Love is on his rookie deal right now. Okay, so as the years go by, that's he's 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 being underpaid right now. And ideally, like you said, you know, you want to get to a Super Bowl on a quarterback's rookie deal. You know, Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff got to a Super Bowl on his rookie deal. And honestly, Tom, I would love for Aaron Rodgers to be a Packer for life. I root for Jordan Love, definitely. But I gotta be honest. I think that in two years, Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing somewhere else. I just feel that way. And I will say, though, I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to win a Super Bowl, another Super Bowl, just one more Super Bowl at least, regardless regardless if he's on the Packers or not. And the reason why is because Aaron Rodgers is more than just your system. I look at Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers. I say those quarterbacks are the system. It doesn't matter what you put around them. You're at least going to win 10 games each year if that team is relatively healthy. And I just think that there's going to be a team out there that will go all in, kind of like Tampa Bay is doing with Tom Brady, and say, hey, we're putting all our chips in Aaron Rodgers, and we potentially can win another Super Bowl. I hope I'm wrong about Aaron Rodgers leaving the Packers. I'd love to see him win another Super Bowl in Green Bay. It would be ideal. And maybe Aaron Rodgers wins another Super Bowl in Green Bay the next two years. Maybe he does that. You know, next year, the Packers have a shot. And especially with the one seed in the NFC only getting that one bye, anything's possible in the playoffs now that that one, now that extra bye is eliminated. A lot of upsets potentially could happen down the road. But yeah, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to win our Super Bowl in Green Bay simply because after this year, we have a lot of free agents that are leaving. 
So I don't know if Aaron Rodgers will win a Super Bowl in Green Bay, but I think that he's talented enough and still at enough of his peak to play at a high level to win another Super Bowl. We saw a couple years ago, Peyton Manning was a corpse his final year in Denver. I think that Aaron Rodgers is pretty talented. I don't know if he'll be that bad by the time the end of his career is going, okay? So if you can win a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning behind a, being bad and playing behind a good defense, obviously, you know, he had a, gr a great brain. He checked in and out of the right plays. But it's not like Aaron Rodgers, if he goes to another team, has to be this top-ten quarterback. That's all I'm saying. So do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to win another Super Bowl and will it be in a, in, a, in a Packers uniform? I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, if he's going to win it within the next two years, you know, anything past that is dependent on Jordan Love. Because if Jordan Love doesn't develop, then Rodgers is going to stay as QB1. There's just no question about that. So there's a lot of evidence there. Um, when I look at the stats and kind of seeing, like, when they won the Super Bowl, they need to clean up a few of, you know, their, their placements right now. They're top 15 in points scored on offense. When we won the Super Bowl, we were 10th, so we're not that far off there. And we were 9th in points allowed last year, and we were number 2. Um, in the Super Bowl year. So I think we need to clean up the defense a little bit, and then we need to either go all in on the passing game or all in on the rushing game to get into the top 10. We're seven spots away. We were 17th last year and 15th in rushing offense. So I think if we're able to clean that up a little bit, you know, I think that there's definitely a shot within these next two seasons. I think there's going to be, um, you know, next year's wide receiver class should be pretty good too. You know, whether that means we draft one or not, who knows? But That's true. I think... Uh, I think that, you know, there's definitely potential that we still do it. I think we'll be contenders this year. I think we'll be contenders next year. And then for Rodgers, yeah, I can totally see a team going all in on him. I think, you know, in two years, he's still going to have great trade value if we decide to roll with love. Um, and you know what? Honestly, at that point, unless he goes to, like, a division rival, I'll still be rooting for him to get one because, you know, I like Aaron Rodgers. I like the person. And, you know, I, I, I would not mind seeing him win another team, even if it's not on the Packers. Well, obviously, that would be the preference. Yeah, no doubt. I tend to agree. Now, we kind of talked about everything Packers football, I would say. I pretty much covered everything. Um, I just want to kind of ask you a couple questions about, you know, your, you know, podcast, the PatCast. You know, how did you start the PatCast, man? You know, was it always a dream of yours to kind of be a YouTuber and, you know, podcaster and, you know, do this, do what you're doing right now? You know, obviously you taught a little bit. You you were a teacher in the past. Um, so. Let's just first start off with, how did you start the PatCast? What was the idea of, you know, starting this whole thing? Uh, well, that was because of the 2014 NFC Championship game. When we lost, um, I went and made a reaction video on YouTube, like, a couple days later. That was kind of just, like, making fun of, like, you know, like, the ups and downs that Packer fans, like, went through during that game. Um, it got something like 60,000 views, and then people reached out to me and were like, oh, like, you should do something. And at that point, like, no, it wasn't a dream to be a YouTuber or uh, do a podcast or anything like that. But, you know, I didn't know anything about podcasting, and when I started the podcast, it was all audio for the first two years. There was no visual component with it. And, like, you know, it did pretty good. It did pretty solid. The second year, we got to interview Mark Murphy, which was really cool. Um, that was, and we, and we grew a lot. And then I started putting stuff on YouTube about three-ish years ago, uh, like from the actual podcast, like on a regular basis. Um, and last year, it started doing really, really well. And then it's just kind of taken off from there. And I mean, I still taught this past year. I did a leave replacement after I left my job in October. And um, yeah, it's kind of just been balancing both. I mean, it's two full-time jobs at this point. So it's just, it, it's very 
very uh, work heavy and it, it requires a lot. You know, it's about with the po- I mean, if we're counting teaching too, it's about a hundred hours a week. You know, between the podcast and, and teaching, so it's a lot. But you know, it's one of those things that I've always enjoyed it, and so it really doesn't feel like work for me most of the time. So I just I, I love doing it. So how did the Mark Murphy interview kind of you know come up? You know, did you reach out to him? You know. Like pre, I, I would assume pretty far in advance. I would say, you know, talk about your interview with Mark Murphy, the Packers president, and how that went about. Yeah, no. So I, I reached out um, right after my first season ended, and he got back. I, he just got back to me, and I had planned it for that following August. I think I reached out to him on like New Year's Eve, and he got back to me within a few hours, and then I, uh, you know, we, we scheduled something for that August of that season while I was going to Green Bay for training camp, and we made the season premiere. Uh, I talked to him for about an hour and a half. He was an awesome guy to talk to, because he's a former Super Bowl winner. Like, he's a pro bowler. Uh, yeah. He played for the Redskins. You know, he had a great story to tell even before the Packers, and just, like, his time playing. And uh, I've interviewed him since then, too, another time. And he's just, like, a really great guy. Um, you know, really welcoming. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that he's uh, the president of the Packers. And talk about how you got featured on NBC Sports, you know, on Sunday Night Football, Packers versus Vikings. You know, that that had to be pretty awesome. You know, talk about how that whole process went about, you know, and what was your reaction kind of when it actually happened? Because I I understand that you didn't actually get a chance to look at what the video would be like. You know, I think that in your video when you talked about it, you know, you said that the producers came to your house, they filmed it, and you didn't know what was going to happen, Tom. So were you pretty nervous, you know? about that day, you know, before the game, you know, talk about your, how your premiere happened on NBC, NBC Sports Network for Sunday Night Football. Yeah, so, um, I had just been putting out a lot of content that year, you know, because that was like the 2018 season, so that was like me putting a lot out, so like, that's like YouTube was, you know, the main source of where the show was going, you know, we were doing stuff, and it wasn't five days a week, it was really close to five days a week, and... So then I just got an email one day from a producer who randomly stumbled upon my videos and said, hey, would you be interested in doing a spot uh, for Sunday Night Football? And I was like, of course. And so yeah, they came to my house. They reported on a Friday. It was the day after Thanksgiving. And then, um, you know, I hadn't heard from them on Saturday. And then on Sunday, I was like, well, you know, they, they might not use it. They're going to throw it away or whatever. So yeah, there was definitely some nerves there just because I didn't know if it was actually going to happen. And then he got back to me saying like, okay, do you want to see it? And I was like, nope, I'll see it for the first time when it airs. Uh, and yeah, that was a really, really cool moment. Uh, I got like written up in my local newspaper and stuff. And it was, uh, I have it on my DVR still. It was, um, yeah, it was definitely a unique experience. And uh, it was it was definitely one of those things like with the podcast that you definitely remember. Now, as far as you being a teacher, you know, talk about how difficult that has been specifically, you know, bouncing, you know, doing the podcast while always being a teacher as well. You know, you all, I understand that you kind of, you know, have taken more so the full-time job of kind of, you know, running the podcast, being a YouTuber. You know, I think that you talked about how your wife has kind of invested in that as well. You know, just kind of talk about how your life has changed from being that teacher, that substitute teacher, I believe, um, to, you know, kind of doing this for a full-time job to a certain degree, you know, just kind of talk about the adjustments as far as the lifestyle and just honestly what the grind is like. I know I've been doing um, podcasting and YouTube for about um, nearly two years, you know, and it's a grind, you know, it's pretty hard to do, you know, I got 
2,000 subscribers right now on YouTube. I appreciate all you guys that tune into the Juice Alert. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. So, yeah, I mean, it's a grind, no doubt. So, I understand your pain. I really appreciate your work because you got, you're, you're, you're closing in on almost 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. So, that's pretty darn good, you know. So, talk about the work you put in and just how this, how this is coming to fruition. Well, I think it's just a matter of, you know, the first two years when I did it, it was just audio. I mean, it was a hobby. That's really what it was. I got to talk to some really great people because I interview opponents, uh, fans from the opposing teams every yep. week, and I still do that. And that, and that's and that's kind of, it is what it was. Like, it was cool when I, I, I still remember my first, you know, um, my first podcast that I got like 100 views on, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And, you know, even like when I started, you know, doing YouTube stuff, like, you know, I'd have like 50 or 60 people do it, like watch. And you know, some of those videos took like three and a half hours to do. And I think it's just a matter of, you know, if you enjoy it, then, then it's going to be worth it. You know, the problem is, is that so many people come around today, and that's probably one of the most common questions that I get is like, I want to do a podcast, I want to do YouTube, I want to do blah, 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 blah. And I, and I can't tell you how many of those people go, like, I'm just doing this to try to, like, you know, make some money, you know, do it quickly. Doesn't work like that, buddy. Yeah. There's, yeah, there is, there, there is no sentence that you can put this and quickly in that would make any sense unless you would say not quickly. Because, I mean, this is one of those things that, like, I've, this has only technically been my only job since the draft, like, this year. Because I was doing, so I literally left my job in October, stopped for two weeks, and then took a leave replacement, um, like, right back to back to back, and then that ended the day, like, the day after the draft. So, you know, that is, so I have been doing two full-time jobs for two years now, solid. Because before then, like, you know, it, it wasn't a full-time gig, but, I mean, like, we have done five videos per week since August of last year, and I've done that up until May, you know, so I think it, it's just a matter of, it's work. It, it's pure work ethic. And there's days I don't want to do it. Like, there's days that I'm tired. But, like, I enjoy doing it enough. So I'm like, okay, you know, it's stuff that I want to talk about. But, like, I also, you know, people don't really understand, like, how much work it really is, especially if you want it to do well. I mean, like, it, it's a mix of a couple things. You know, yeah, it's the consistency in which you put work out. I'm sure I don't have to put out videos five days a week, you know, to still get subs. But that's what I choose to do because... I see the growth, and on top of that, I enjoy doing it, and plus I have plenty to talk about. And then the second thing is, like, it has to be quality content, and that's the problem that, you know, when I'm talking to people, you know, they are saying that they have been at this. I know people who have been at this for six months. I know people who have been at this for five years, and their subscribers or followers are all over the spectrum. And, like, at the end of the day, it also comes down to, like, quality content, and I can't help you with that. It's one of those things that's like, okay, like, you know, if you want to take the time to add more visuals or make sure that your audio is good or make sure the things you're talking about are people, you know, people are actually going to care about it. I can't give you those answers. I can give you, I've given hundreds and hundreds of people tips on, you know, equipment, you know, what I would do, et cetera. But like at the end of the day, like you have to be the one to do that. The majority of podcasts fail, like the vast majority fail within the first six months. And, you know, people have promised at the moon of, like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. Great. Wonderful. And I'm not trying to dissuade anybody from, you know, being creative or starting a channel or a podcast. But understand, like, if you wanted to get to a point where you're, like, this is your job, it's a crap ton of work, and it's going to take years to get there. And 
You know, it's just, it's something that not everybody is willing to do, you know, especially, you know, today. Everybody has a podcast. Everybody's on YouTube. Everybody has something, you know, so it takes a lot to stand out and to get a following. And, you know, that's probably one of the things I'm most proud of because it's just, it's a result of years and years of work over and over again. And it's when you do work for three and a half hours on an episode and nobody watches it. And then you still go back the next day and you make another one. Yeah, my mentality when I started this was just that, hey, I love doing this. I want to do this. I'm going to be consistent. That's the biggest thing, being consistent, you know. Uh, people talk to me about it. They say, hey, you know, how do you get so many views? I work. I put stuff out constantly. And some people put out more stuff than me. And I'm like, how do you do that? So it's all just about consistency, man. And you are a model of consistency. You do a great job on the podcast. You know, I appreciate you, Tom, for coming on here talking some Packers football. This was very, very fun. You know, I appreciate you for coming on, like I said, man. And, you know, stay safe out there, and best of luck, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for watching this video today. Please also note that the Juice Alert Sports Podcast is not just a YouTube channel. It is available on all podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed this video, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share this content with all your friends. This podcast is my favorite thing in the entire world right now. It is my passion. And I want more people to listen to this podcast. I really want this podcast to grow. Also, a fun fact about me is that I want to go into the sports broadcasting and media world once I graduate from the University of Toledo, a college in Northern Ohio. I currently am a freshman there right now. I am looking to become one of the next great sports broadcasters and analysts out in the world. And I potentially would like to start my own network if this podcast really truly grows. Or if I fall short of that goal, I would love to work for a big time network like ESPN or Fox Sports 1. I am open to all networks. So if you believe in my dreams and you see or hear my passion through the screen, be sure to tell all your friends about the Juice Alert Sports Podcast. Stay motivated, you guys. Have a God-blessed day and I'm out.